Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. the start of the two o'clock hour on Wes and Walker. One more hour to go. Then it's the Kyle Bailey show. Smoke Ludwig also involved. I believe Kyle is back remote right today. So Kyle, part of the Kyle Bailey show will be doing today's show. Yeah, he's going to be somewhere up north, just coming out of the woods, cutting down. Who knows how many trees? The lumberjack (laughs) that Kyle Bailey is. Yes. Making sure that he does his job. Still Cutting the trees, but also going to give you the radio show. He'll be with you from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. So most of the gang starting to get back here during the holiday season. Cat Square Smitty wrote in that he was born left-handed, that uh, he his dad made him do everything right-handed so he could use them both at the same time. Kind of the Todd Marinovich project. Remember Marinovich, his dad tied his right hand behind his arm, something like that. To read force the tweet him. or read the text above it. Yeah, Clint Clint Eastwood can also... Oh, he was saying Clint Eastwood had this happen to him. Sorry, that's right. <laughs> I was I was gonna get uh, give Cat Square Smitty some credit that he could do things. He didn't want the cred, man. He wanted Clint Eastwood, space right. cowboy, to get the cred. So the text message before that says Clint Eastwood can do everything with either hand. That he noticed it in his movies and looked it up, and that's what he read. That Clint Eastwood was born left-handed, but his dad made him do everything right-handed so he could use them both at the same time. So that is the text I gave Cat Square Smitty wrong credit, and instead it is reserved for Clint Eastwood. Jim Selenia has called in the Body Works Plus guest hotline, as we'll call it. Selenia, did your dad make you left-handed after you were born right-handed? What kind of lefty-righty stuff are you doing? Well, how you doing, Dubs, by the way? Happy What's up, man? We're doing well. How you doing? Good to hear from you guys, and you can't wait to hear Paul Bunyan later on in the day. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, I, uh, I write and I throw left-handed. Now, I bowl right-handed, I play golf right-handed, I kick right-footed, but I think since I write and throw left-handed, I'm a lefty. Don't you agree? I think that is probably true. Would you or would you just call them straight up ambidextrous? Ambidextrous to me is if you can do a whole bunch of different stuff with both hands. Like it, Wes, if you were able to write with your left hand, would that be legible? Would it be good or would it be just absolutely atrocious? Uh, it wouldn't be too good. Yeah, I'm hardly good with my right hand <laughs> right. when I'm in a rush. So I don't know what qualifies you with being ambidextrous. I think you'd be left-handed, Selenia. Well, I think there's one thing we all do with, this, with one hand, and that's in the small room. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to say the word, but wow. uh, in the small room, I, I, I can't imagine anybody who can go either hand in the small room. Anyway, anyway, I had a chance to do some bragging. You're talking about bowling. <laughs> now, I bowl, I bowl right-handed. When I was off between TV and radio in the late 90s, I, I bowled at George Pappas Park Lanes. And I bowled against guys who had a, I got laryngitis. I'm sorry. I bowled against guys that had a 225 average, so they were way better than me. But I was bowling in a Rebel 300 league, and I bowled a perfect 300 game in the third game. 12 straight strikes. I've always wanted to see it live. I've seen it happen a couple of times where people would get a strike in every frame but the last one, but I've never seen a perfect 300 game in person. I, that's impressive. I got to tell you, maybe, look, let's let's have a bowling competition between everyone involved with WFNZ. That would be a lot of fun. We appreciate the call, Jim. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye-bye.
I should have known where that conversation was going. Hmm. I mean, it. I knew it was going to go there. I just didn't expect Jim to bring that up. And maybe that's my own fault. I'm learning. And we move on. 704-570-9610 if you want to text in to the Garage Door Guru text line. Let's actually talk about the Carolina Panthers. Huge week for them against Tampa Bay. They will play kind of for the NFC South this weekend. I mean, if Carolina wins the next two, then they win the NFC South title. If they don't, then it will be Tampa Bay. Either way, none of these teams, I don't know, are going to be deserving of the NFC South title. These are not your normal postseason teams. We've seen it before, but it's not like we expected Carolina to reach the postseason, especially after they fired Matt rule. We were having the tank conversation and eventually they just kept kind of playing 500 football under Steve Wilkes. I wanted to go to a point that Fiddy was talking about when we were discussing the whole Scott Fitterer thing, right? When we were having the Mitch Kupchak effect conversation with the Charlotte Hornets, somebody texted in and said he sees a lot of similarities between Kupchak and Scott Fitterer. Fiddy was defending Fitterer for the way that he was able to build this roster. And I kind of agree. Don't you feel like with Matt Rule being out of the organization and Carolina playing better without Matt Rule in the organization, doesn't that pretty clearly state that there was a coaching problem here? Right? Because... We can go to Matt Rule having 51% control contractually over personnel decisions, but we can also kind of piece together maybe what Matt Rule decisions were going after the quarterbacks and what were some of the draft decisions from Scott Fitterer, right? I, I feel like you can start to divvy that out. Okay, this is Rule's responsibility. This is Fitterer's. And at that point, the right coach, clearly between the two, comparing Matt Rule and Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes, clearly the better option. It, it doesn't bode well in the Matt Rule was a good coach. It was just the personnel problem because Steve Wilkes seems to be doing just fine, at least coaching 500 football after Matt Rule's absence. I think that's an interesting debate. I would say that I would definitely lean on the side of yes, of course. Uh, there's been a upgrade in coaching when you talk about Wilkes and his philosophy that he brings. And we know that watching sports, a lot of times teams do tend to play better once uh, the coach is ousted and they're playing under an interim coach that teams do step it up a bit. And the Panthers have shown a little bit of uh, consistency in that department as far as them being in the chase and getting the wins that they have, their record at home, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I would definitely say there's been an upgrade in, in coaching. Yeah, and I, I think what we've seen from him, especially with all of the players that have advocated for Steve Wilkes getting that job, I wonder how hard that's going to be for David Tepper if he cares, right? Because ultimately, David Tepper can do what he wants. He's the owner of the football team. He can decide to go with an offensive mind, getting rid of Steve Wilkes as the head coach, going after what has been all the all the rage lately, the young offensive mind, some OC for some team. Honestly, you know, now Detroit, Ben Johnson has been excellent at calling plays this year. Uh, is he ready for a head coach job? I don't know. But we do know that he's been able to scheme Detroit very well. And even with all our Jared Goff debate last uh, last week, it's not like I put that so much on Jared Goff. 350 yards, didn't throw an interception. Just Carolina ran the hell out of the ball. And I think there's an interesting conversation to be had with Steve Wilkes because it's not like I look at this excellent X's and O's game plan. I, I don't see some mad scientist at work with Steve Wilkes. I see him preaching very simple things as far as an X's and O standpoint, but they're just executing it at such a high level. 
I, I don't see you know, such crazy run schemes, right? It's not like Kyle Shanahan who just cooks up all sorts of misdirection, eye candy in the backfield. You're pitching it on halfback dives to get the defense off balance. That That's not happening. That's a Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan thing. You're not seeing a lot of that. You're just seeing, hey, Deontay, you're a physical beast. Here's the football. Go ahead and gain at least five yards on this carry. And then we're just going to run it for 100 yards between two rushers in the first half. And I think there's a lot to be said for dwindling everything down for a team that was in dire need of just playing good fundamental football and executing at a high level. That is a piece of evidence that Steve Wilkes is a good coach. Well, one thing I will say, I do think that he did a good job of putting in some wrinkles uh, into the game plan, especially uh, the option that went for the touchdown. I thought that was Mm -hmm. a nice touch. I thought that uh, Sam Darnold keeping the ball more on some of those RPO scenarios that they had and making him a bigger part of the run game, I felt like also was uh, a nice wrinkle that he put in. So that was one thing. When I saw that earlier, especially the option pitch, I thought to myself, I said, okay, you know, he's definitely making sure that the book clearly isn't out on them. And yeah, they're still going to be able to run the ball, but I'm going to also put some things in to make you think. But off top, when they were just busting off chunk after chunk after chunk, it was pretty much open season after that. When you run the ball the way that they did uh, in that football game and you have two running backs go over 100 yards in the first half, the playbook is pretty much open to do whatever it is that you want because the defense is going to continually be off balance all game long when you're able to get multiple chunk plays in the run game. It's it's child's play at that point. I mean, running the football is going to open up a ton of different things, but also we kind of use that as criticism towards, towards Steve Wilkes being long-term head coach that, Hey, when the running game isn't working, how confident are you in the offense? But why don't we flip that? Right. Why can't we just say Steve Wilkes understands the importance of this team, even specifically running the football effectively, trying to exploit that as much as possible until you actually can get a dynamic quarterback, whoever that may be. And maybe it doesn't come his way, but we do know that there are some reports out there that Steve Wilkes is not getting it twisted, right? He wants a QB. And then once that happens, he can employ a smart offensive coordinator maybe who is a little bit more innovative and they don't have to rely nearly as much on the run game. And that's where I am with Steve Wilkes. Somebody texted in saying, I don't think Wilkes has done enough where everyone is shocked. If Tepper moves on leadership should be the minimum. It's not the selling point and that's fine. What about just straight up winning ball games? Let's keep it as simple as we can. Are you winning? Especially with this roster that was not winning before the answer is yes. I mean, Despite this being an awful NFC South, no doubt about it, Steve Wilkes has this team with a real chance to get to the postseason, and they just destroyed Detroit, who was as hot as any football team in the NFL, just destroyed him, Wes, just beat him down. Dan Campbell, in the handshake with Steve Wilkes afterwards, said, man, you kicked our ass. Awesome job, right? And Dan Campbell's going to keep it real. Play caller, all the rage in Ben Johnson. Jared Goff had been playing very well. Amon Ra, St. Brown, one of the best wide receivers. Defensively, not very good. So what do you do? You attack their weakness and you exploit the hell out of it. I mean, how about just winning games? Let's keep it simple. And I think that's enough evidence. Winning the game, as Herm Edwards might say, is enough evidence for Steve Wilkes to be the head coach going forward. 
Yeah, I mean, we've talked about ad nauseum the intern coach situation. We've talked about Basachi with the Raiders and what a good job he did. And looks like that maybe they should have kept him based off yeah. how their season is going. But yeah, I think winning and the locker room and the culture and how guys feel about him helps a lot. But I do think his philosophy long term going forward is going to be important. These games down the stretch are going to be important. And if they do get to a playoff game, the showing that the team has in that and what we see there, I think, is also going to have bearing because I don't think it's just about getting to the playoffs. What type of game plan uh, does he put? <laughs> Here we go. What, what we got? It, it breaks everything, right? We have to go to it no matter how small. What is the breaking news that comes in? Well, it's funny that you mentioned Rich Basakia and the Raiders. The Raiders just benched Derek Carr, and they are turning to Jared Stidham as wow. their new starting quarterback. And I bring this up uh, yeah, because I, I talked yeah. about this last offseason that Derek Carr should have been a, a should be a quarterback that the Panthers should have been interested in trading for. And here's the thing: the Panthers may not even have to trade for him. There's a clause in his contract, even though he got that massive extension, that they can move on from him this year. And the dead money would, you know, wouldn't really be a massive hit against the cap. And I, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I watch a lot of the red zone. Derek Carr is a top twelve to fourteen quarterback in the NFL. I can agree with that. And so, if this guy is on the market, if you're already on the fringe about not wanting to draft a quarterback in next year's draft, because where you're going to be in the drafting order, maybe this is a guy. That you could be interested in, and and he you he could he could he could look at the situation and say, that's a good place for me to go and be successful. I know it's kind of out of nowhere, but y'all were talking about the Raiders. This news just came in. This will be a name I think we talk about this off season. It's going to be. It's it's and now you don't it's feel here, it, right? <sighs> Not really. I mean, look, man, Derek Carr has had two seasons that stick out in my mind. And he's actually been in the league for quite some time. What is it now? Almost. pretty much. We're getting close to a decade. And he had the 4,800-yard season last year where, you know, playoff team, I, I respect what Derek Carr did. He actually threw the ball downfield last year, which was against his MO. I respected that. You talk about the one really impressive season they had where Derek Carr looked like he'd be an absolute franchise guy. What was it? The second year in the, in the league, 2015, 2016, something like that. Yeah. So 32 and 13 in 2015, uh, he had 28 touchdowns, six interceptions in 2016. And then just kept throwing for barely 4,000 yards. Didn't throw a ton of interceptions, but also didn't throw for a ton of touchdown passes. I think he's probably an average QB, maybe a little bit better. I mean, you said top 12 to top 14. I'm saying better than average a little bit. So don't give me the whole crazy face. I'm just telling you that I'd rather reset. I, I'm i just tired of it. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm tired of doing the whole retread thing. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not tired of it. But if this guy's available, this guy's better than Sam Darnold, right? That's true. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. So, I mean. At what kind of money? I'd be interested in that. You know, th that price is really hard for me to try to pinpoint. I have no clue, you know, and I, I don't know what the contract details is, uh, details are, as you're kind of bringing this to our attention. But we do know that he signed for a decent amount of money. You know, John Gruden, John Gruden himself wanted to move on for a little while. And then last year, it's flipped with Bisaccia. And then this year with Josh McDaniels, I, I can't stand McDaniels. So uh, even with me not being all that high on Derek Carr, 
I, I will give all of that criticism towards the head coach that is McDaniels. What do you think about Derek well, Carr? Well, I do like Derek Carr. I mean, coming into this season, he had the most fourth quarter comeback since 2015. He had 23 coming into the season. Uh, so he is a guy that can step up and play great football for you when you need it. Now, it has been damning against him with the weapons available. I thought the Raiders were going to be lighting up scoreboards when you talk about Devontae Adams. Now, Darren Wall has been hurt a ton, hasn't done much this year. Hunter Renfro. Uh, much the same. So that kind of took away from what I thought that they were going to be able to do. And maybe this is some of the reason why he has played the way that he has played. But when you talk about the money, I mean, this year his base salary is 17 4 but 2023, you're talking 32-9, 2024, 41-9, 2025, 41-2. So that's a lot of Skrilla you will be talking about paying a Derek Carter that you're not sure that you want to build your future around, especially if you want that young guy. All right, let's continue that convo. Also, Carolina does play a bowl game tonight against the Oregon Ducks. We want to get to that as well before the actual contest. Still to come on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. More segments to go on Wes and Walker, the Carolina Tar Heels. They take on the Oregon Ducks tonight. And it's been a bad end of the season for North Carolina when you look at the last few games, watching Drake May, really ever since that Georgia Tech contest that took place mid-November. After that, it went all downhill for the Tar Heels. And the most recent game we saw from them just get destroyed by Clemson in the ACC championship game. And so now here they come into this bowl game against Oregon as 13 point dogs. And we do not have the same type of feeling about North Carolina as we did when they did go on a winning streak, when they were winning games, albeit very close ones, they were at least winning those contests. How do you feel about North Carolina's chances against Oregon tonight, Wes? Yeah, I feel like it's going to be very tough with all the transfer portal issues they had, especially in the defensive backfield. I mean, this offense still coming into this game, despite all their struggles, is top 15 in the nation and passing offense, passing efficiency, third down conversions and total offense and then top 25 in scoring offense and completion percentage. But we want to see them get back to that explosive offense that they had this season has had eight plays of 60 or more yards, 13 plays of 50 plus yards and 42 plays of 30 plus yards. So Carolina has to get back to being explosive because this is the Oregon Ducks team that's going to start fast and they're going to come out in the third quarter and get on you. As I said earlier in the show, number four nationally in first half scoring, number two in third quarter scoring, and then number two in the nation in scoring differential in the last four minutes of the first half and number one in the first four minutes of the second half. So Carolina has to get with it. They cannot turn the football over. Oregon is tied for 12th nationally in the fewest turnovers committed and 28th in takeaways in all of the nation. We know Bo Nix, what he's bringing to the table. He's number two in the country in completion percentage. And he's one of three FBS quarterbacks with 3,000 passing yards and 500 rushing yards. So this is going to be a battle of two Heisman contenders 
for next season. So I want to see how Drake May responds. He's got a guy across from him that he's going to be competing for the Heisman Trophy next season. How's Carolina going to bounce back after losing that ACC championship game? So it should be a fantastic matchup, but I think the Heels are up against it with so many guys in the transfer portal, especially in that defensive backfield. You talked about some of the star QBs, both of them, Bo Nix, Drake May, in this matchup. We're both going to see um, we're going to see both of them on display. How is this game going to affect the candidacy for maybe Drake May next season? Because we saw the last three games, he's only accounted for three touchdowns. And we thought that Drake May, at the beginning of that Clemson game, North Carolina marches downfield. I thought it was going to be an awesome contest. I thought it was going to be regular old, fantastic Heisman potential winner Drake May. And then the rest of the game was awful after the first drive. Will this game affect his Heisman candidacy at all next season? I think it's going to affect it as far as the buzz. There's no doubt about it. If he comes out and lights it up for this game, everybody's going to be saying, man, watch out for him next year. He's going to do this and this and this and that. And because uh, Josh Downs is not going to play. So we're going to get a chance to see what this Carolina offense is going to look like next year because they won't have Josh Downs next year. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as just perception coming into next year, if he goes four straight games of not playing great football, he'll have some Heisman buzz because it'll be that that new season optimism. But as far as just how we view him just straight up looking at if he struggles again, it's going to be like, man, is this guy a fluke? And there'll be some some buzz for his candidacy, but not like it will be if he comes out and lights it up, especially in a matchup against Bo Nick. So even including their recent slide, still very strong offensively. They rank 14th in total yards. They rank 7th in passing. And prior to this fall off of a cliff, they were amassing at least 31 points in 9 of the first 10 games they played. But of course, we have seen them slide recently. Who's the real Tar Heel team, Fiddy, especially when you expect them to play the Oregon Ducks tonight? Do you expect to see more of the they're good for 30 right off the bat, or do you expect to see more struggles from Drake May? No, I still think you're going to see this offense struggle because that offensive line has just underwhelmed the last three games they were on the field. And it really started before then. It was just being masked because they were winning. They got pushed around by Pitt. They got pushed around by Virginia. But Drake May was able to overcome that and make plays. When that didn't happen, this offense bogged down. You've got no Josh Downs in this game. So, you know, you don't have Phil Longo. Lonnie Galloway is going to be calling plays. You don't have your offensive line coach. So I think you're going to see more of an Atario offense that's in flux as the one that we know could come out here and put up 28, 35 points, 400 yards of offense, et cetera, et cetera. So we were having somewhat of a feelings conversation about Drake May, and if he – stands to lose any of the Heisman buzz this offseason if he struggles against Oregon, especially after the last month of football that he played. But I don't know how we're going to feel about the Star Hills program overall. Drake May and even Mac Brown, the head coach. Here's Chip Patterson, who joined the Kyle Bailey Show yesterday, on how this Holiday Bowl performance could impact the mood around this program. I, I think that for North Carolina, winning would 100% be an impressive feat especially given the lack of success in the last two seasons in the bowl game. But, I mean, you're a 14-and-a-half-point underdog. To me, it's more specifically about that North Carolina offense being able to deliver against a defense that has not been good this year. 
How do you think this game is going to affect how we feel about North Carolina? And is the damage already done? Like, how are we going to feel even if North Carolina comes up with a win against Oregon, putting those last three games into context? I think it will be tremendous if they are able to win, as I said, with the guys missing uh, in the port and the flux that they've had uh, as far as the roster has been going. And I think that if they lose, again, this is the Carolina program I picked to finish third or fourth in the Coastal. So I didn't expect them to be in this spot in the first place. It's just that, you know, they roped you in with the exciting football that they played and the wins that they had and the potential of their season that had since gone downhill after the Georgia Tech game. But I think if they lose this game, it does not kind of make me down trying about the Tar Heels coming into next season. Now, I'll be interested to see how they're going to respond, but they will still come into next season with Drake May, who has reiterated his love for Carolina time and time again. I feel like they'll get the requisite pieces in for him. I feel like the offense will still be there. Can they find some defenders to come in and, and help this defense get better? We'll see. But no, just to answer your question, uh, it will not make me look down on this Carolina program coming into next season because I feel like they overachieved this year. So uh, coming into next season, I will expect this type of season or better. So I think a lot of people were discussing how overrated North Carolina was with Sam Howell, right? So going, Very much in, so. going into last year, as well. a lot of people thought it, and they were right. I mean, North Carolina did not have a strong year. They were really disappointing, and nobody was going to be fooled twice in a row. And what do you know? North Carolina got off to a fantastic start with the way that they were playing football, amassing a ton of wins before they dropped that game to Georgia Tech. Biddy, where should we rank this team going into next season? And how much is this game against Oregon going to dictate how you view this team? I think, you know, because Drake May is coming back, they've done some nice things in the portal. Recruiting is still decent. Top 20-ish, maybe back into the top 25 is where they'll come in. But if Carolina loses this game, we enter this year at a crossroads with Tar Heel football and Mac Brown. You lose this game, guess what? You enter another offseason at a crossroads because you're 9-5, and five, which, you know, looks like a good record on paper. But you were 9-1 and one with everything in front of you. You know, you could have, you had a Heisman yeah. Trophy candidate. You had a New Year's Six Bowl berth that you were playing for. None of that happened. You end up in the Holiday Bowl. Still a really good bowl. But if you lose, you're 9-5. and five. What did you really accomplish this year? And that's my biggest thing is the two best accomplishments under Mac Brown have been defeats. And that's been making the Orange Bowl and making the ACC title game. We talk a lot about empty calories on this show. That's been this program under Mac Brown for four years. Are you saying that North Carolina's and Mac Brown's accomplishments are much like your diet when we talk about empty calories? Is no, that what you're saying? Because <laughs> I, I, I have no shortage of calories. And gotcha. so this is where I get really frustrated because... As a Tar Heel football fan that missed Mac Brown 1.0, I don't want this ride to end because I, I know that whenever he's done, we probably it probably won't be as much fun watching this team on the football field. That's just what history is going to tell me. Mm-hmm. But at some point, like if, if if it doesn't get any better, you're not getting where you want to get to with the money that's being put in the program, the recruiting. You got to make a tough decision. That's why I want to win the game, get to 10 wins. Mac Brown can spin the narrative positive all offseason long, 
and we can enter next year excited about Tar Heel football. I think you put it correctly when you said you had so much in front of you when you only had the one loss until you suffered the last month. That's the problem, right? It's it's falling as dramatically as you did. The, the dramatic type of fall, the consecutive losses, that's what absolutely erases a good feeling. So even if you beat Oregon, okay, it'll be a great win, and it'll very much so fit into the what have you done for me lately category. But you can't get back to what you had when you only had the one loss. And I'm not trying to say a 10-win season is the worst thing ever but man you still feel a little robbed from what you could have accomplished had you just taken care of business against georgia tech right a game that you should have won even with the yellow jackets playing a lot better you should have taken care of business over the course of the season you were better the you were the better football team and it did not happen you should have put up points against clemson i know that defense is good but you should have been better i mean nobody is going to absolve them of what happened drake may should have been better the offensive line man i i think that's why even with the win that'll be great hopefully they can build off of that but that's just such a dramatic fall from what could have happened had they just taken care of business like i thought they would i do want to move on to duke because they're playing right now so duke is actually up on ucf as it currently stands two minutes left to go in the first quarter so you still have plenty of duke football to watch they're up seven to nothing ucf does have the football what the is West- your score is seven six oh there you go yep. there's an update so a good game two minutes left looks like that's going to be tied up as long as ucf hits the extra point west with a win over ucf could Duke continue to propel themselves into a possible conversation about them being the best college football program in the state next year? I think they could. Uh, they were on the edge of going to the ACC championship game, and uh, they're coming back into this season. Riley Leonard will be back uh, this season. My guy, you know what I'm saying? That is your guy. <laughs> you know, just real quick, one of three quarterbacks in the country with 11-plus rushing touchdowns and 20-plus passing, uh, by the way, with Bo Nix and DTR from UC. LA, so you know, I'm just saying. But anyway, uh, no, but I think Duke is on the rise. Mike Elko has really come in, and you talk about an overachieving program. When you look at Wake not having Sam Hartman uh, next year, and then when you look at Carolina with Drake May and the questions that maybe we'll get some of those answered tonight. But for the most part, Carolina's going to come in with some with some missing guys as well. But they'll be expected to compete. We know that game went down to the wire between those two. Could have went either way. So, yeah, I think Duke is in the conversation. NC State uh, as well, but they underachieved this year. You want to talk about injuries or whatever it is that you want to say. But Duke winning eight football games, and if they're able to win this one, this will be their fourth straight bowl victory. Uh, And then having nine wins and coming back in with one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC and in the country, I think things are looking up for the Blue Devils. What do you think is the more interesting QB storyline this offseason in the ACC? Because there's a lot. You can go to Clemson. We did get an answer on where DJU would transfer. Yes, we and did. And he's going to Oregon State. Cade Klubnik, you're up. A lot of people were asking for it earlier. You got to see it in the ACC championship game. And we'll see game. it Friday. Yep, and we'll see it in the bowl game. So Cade Klubnik is up. NC State, they don't have Devin Leary anymore. Wake Forest doesn't have Sam Hartman anymore. North Carolina does have Drake May, but you are missing Josh Downs. And here we are discussing just how big this bowl game might be when trying to evaluate what's going to happen with them next year. What do you think is the more interesting storyline within the ACC at the quarterback spot? Man, that's a great, great question. Off the top of the dome, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to see, I think for me coming in, you know, call me bias, but I want to see Wake Forest after Sam Hartman being there for so many years, uh, how Griffith's 
Mitch Griffiths is going to come in there and replace him. I think that's going to be a, a very interesting storyline as well, as well as can Drake may uh, carry this North Carolina program, get to New York, and uh, take them to heights they hadn't seen in a while. Yeah, because I, I still feel good about Drake May. I mean, even with the way that the last month of the season went, I mean, I still feel good about him. You'd be devastated if you were a Heels fan that watched Drake May transfer, right? I Yes, we can have the whole NIL conversation, but that would be devastating to that program because you know just how good he is. I'll take that QB 10 times out of 10 over a lot of other QBs in the country. We just have zero clue what these other guys are going to do. You might feel good about Kate Klubnik, but do you feel good about him being the quarterback they have to have to get to the playoff, to win a championship? Can that defense kind of get back to the ways of Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence and those guys? Can you get back to being wide receiver you? Like, I, I think, and, and to counteract that, right, can Cade Klubnick just be that good? It doesn't matter about the surrounding talent. And people kind of talk about him that way. So I, I think Clemson is going to be fascinating to watch. That'll do it for the college, you know, extended version of Campus Corner because yes. we often talk the BS. The Campus the camp- Block. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what happens there. We do have one more segment. Uh, we'll finish our thoughts going into a Thursday. We'll have fire or fizzle, so still plenty to come the rest of this week. It's time now for the last Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? There's a potential reunion happening maybe in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Maybe in San Francisco, within the last three weeks, T.O.'s agent has spoken both with the 49ers and most recently with the Dallas Cowboys. The 49-year-old wide receiver has not played in the league in over a decade. But Wes said during the break he thinks that he can still come in and help teams situationally. Should we read more into this? Or do you think this is just all smoke and mirrors right now? T.O. just wanted to be back out in the news. You said during the break that it would be one of the more Dallas Cowboy things ever to bring back Terrell Owens at the age of 49 to play at the wide receiver position. I don't think that this is going to be anything worth watching on the field. I mean, it would... If he was back, yes, I'd be interested. I just don't think he's going to be a productive football player if it happens. I eventually don't think he's going to try out. But, Wes, we just heard what Fiddy said you had to say during the break. You actually think Terrell Owens still has it. Well, we're talking about one of the greatest receivers of all time. He's still running in the 4-4 range at age 49. We see the body is still as cut up as ever. I think in a, as a, in a situational role, I think he could come in and provide the Cowboys with some good depth. Um, especially, you know, when you talk the rules, you can't touch them down the field. You can't knock guys in the next week like you used to be able to. So I think the rules kind of bend towards him being able to come in and make a few plays. He's still as active as ever training with the guys going out against young DBs and still smashing on them. Is that happening? Where yeah, he still goes out. He works out with young DBs. He goes out with Ocho Cinco and them, and they go out and they, they tear down some of the young boys so you now. Ex- you, you think maybe Ocho Cinco should come back, too, on his, <laughs> on his fast food diet? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think he's capable. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm not saying these guys are going to come in and be pro bowlers, mm-hmm. but I think in situations where you want them to come in, listen, we are talking about some of the greatest, two of the greatest wide receivers of all time, but T.O. has still been training nonstop, and Oh, yeah, he, you know, just getting into off-the-field stuff. He kind of needs the money from, from some of the things that you hear. So right. that could provide extra motivation. But, no, I think T.O. But I think when we're talking about this, I don't think that's a gloss over. Yeah, topic. I think T.O. situationally could come in and make some plays.
plays. Yes, right. I do. All right. Not only is Tom Brady looking to beat Father Time, Terrell Owens is looking to come back. <laughs> T.O. versus Time. I would love to see it. All right. One more <laughs> segment to go on Wes and Walker before we hand the baton off to the Kyle Bailey Show. Still to come, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Segment on Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. This was your favorite beat when you were listening to all the music that you were bringing in. This was the one that had you jumping more than any, right, Fitty? Yeah, yeah. This one, I was like, y'all were, I think I put it in during the first segment of the show. And I was back here in my own little world, just. You did. You you played it through the Q channel, yeah. I think, and I thought we were back from break, but it was just you wanting to have a dance party over there in producer land. <laughs> no, I was putting it in Q to put it into the system, and whenever we're not on the air, you can hear it when I put it in Q. No, right, but you were dancing. I mean, you were still, you were definitely having a party over there. Don't be jealous, Big Burr, because I got moves, baby. I, wa- I am jealous. Can you give me some of those? I'll do the waddle. You can do your dab. Wes, what's your go-to dance move? If I were to tell you, yeah, what what are you doing in front of the camera? If we forced one, I don't know. I gotta think about that. I guess a two step or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Would it be as good as the waddle? I can't believe you gave that fizzle the other week. I can't believe that, yeah, man. Yes. That Jalen Waddle. It might have been fire I, had you been willing to do it on the camera for the I social media. I do need to show you why it's fire, yeah, man. Maybe I do need to do that. We're gonna it. have some content for y'all this week. You know what I'm saying on the handle. So we're gonna. We're going to see what we can get Walker to do. Yeah, so you, you can find that on Twitter. It's at Wesson Walker. Moose, Moose told me when I was asking you to spell the Twitter handle, Moose wrote in the text line, Walker, come on now. You know how to spell, LOL. I mean, look, it's a tough handle. You did grow up in Bunker Hill. I know. Catawba County. <laughs> and you went to Charlotte. Hey, we're representing big time out here, okay? Catawba County is full of geniuses. So, big shout-out to Bunker Hill. Full of Hill. Sean McVay. Now, I do, 100%. Now, <laughs> I do always struggle, though. What's How do you spell the handle? W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Hit the follow button, folks. When we get to 500, we're going to give out a special prize. Right, Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. All right, let's go uh, to What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. You can visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks-Club. North Carolina, Oregon, Holiday Bowl tonight, 8 p.m. kickoff. All right, let's do the prediction thing. I got a couple of numbers for you. North Carolina, 13-point dogs in this game. Does North Carolina win, and what is your prediction? Uh, I picked, we already did this because at work we do spreads. I picked uh, Oregon, and I picked them to cover. Okay, Oregon wins, and they cover, Mm -hmm. despite being 13-point favorites. What do you got, Fiddy? I think the Ducks win, but Carolina covers 35-24 Ducks. How do you feel about the Tar Heels after that? If your prediction happens. Ask me tomorrow. Okay, will do. Um, over under 75, which college numbers are always hilarious comparing them to the NFL. 75 point total for the over under in this game. Do you think the over or the under hits? I'm going over. I'm going to pick Oregon 49-30. Okay, you just think Oregon runs it up. I mean, you well, just think. I mean, all those missing DBs sure. and all that, I think it's going to be tough. And I mean, we're not talking about a, a great defense here. Fitty, do we see the over? With my prediction, no. But if I was a betting man, and I am not, I would hammer the over because Carolina's defense is awful. <laughs> okay. So that's what's on tap. North Carolina, Oregon. We'll be talking about that and breaking it down tomorrow on Wes and Walker. Before that, 
Let's go to what happened on this day in sports history. 1958, Fitty, what happened that day? Before I read that, a 704 number said, Fitty, bald ass, going to trash <laughs> Charlotte, acting like he went to Harvard, went to a radio college. Probably don't <laughs> even make you read. <laughs> At me when you can talk in correct English grammar, you dumbass. I just had to respond I to him. I love that text. Uh, on this day in 1958, the greatest game ever played between the Baltimore Colts and the New York Giants took place as the Colts win the 26th NFL Championship against the Giants, 23-17 at Yankee Stadium in the first ever sudden death overtime in NFL history. 17 future members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame were involved in that game. What? What famous Carolina Panther figure was involved in that game? In 1958? Jerry yeah, Jerry Richardson. Yep, that is correct. On this day in 1975, the Hail Mary came to, came to be known with 32 seconds left in the NFC Divisional Playoff game. Captain America, Roger Staubach, threw a legendary 50-yard winning touchdown pass to Drew Pearson as the Cowboys beat the Vikings, and the Hail Mary play is born. And then on this day in 2008... The Detroit Lions lost 31-21 to to the Green Bay Packers to become the first human in NFL history to go winless in a 16-game season. There's no way you have that roster in front of you, right? I would love to play a name game with that 08 Detroit Lions roster because Joey Harrington, was was he still the quarterback at that time? Wasn't that, no, I thought that was Dan Orlowski's year. Oh, was it, I, I know that he pro, you probably had four different quarterbacks. John Kitna was oh, probably yeah. a part of that team. I like John Kitna, though. Yeah, well, I mean, he would air it out, no doubt. I'm trying to think of some of the other receivers. I think you had Roy Williams on that roster. Roy Williams, for, former Cowboy, too. I think that's right. Um, From what I'm looking at, it's saying I put up the depth chart from 2008. Yeah. And it said Dante Culpepper was the quarterback. Oh, Drew Stanton, what? Dan Orlowski, Calvin Johnson was on that team. Forgot about the Dante Culpepper year. Yes. Yeah. I've completely forgot about that team. They had, did they Not have a lot Kevin of names. Smith? Kevin Smith was the running back. You Central are correct. Florida. Okay, I was trying Ernie to... Sims was on there. Sean McDonald, a fantasy star for a little bit. Do you remember Sean McDonald playing for them? Yes, he was the other wide receiver. There you go. Mike Furry, yep. a white receiver. Look at Mike that. Mike Furry being there with the Detroit Lions. Big Jeff Backus. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got, if you need 08 name game Detroit Lions, then we have you covered here on <laughs> Weston Walker. Let's go to some of the texts of the day. I tried to save them as I try to pull them up here to get to some of my favorite texts that we've seen. Um, when we were talking about Fitty's accomplishments in church league, softball, basketball, soccer, whatever, an 828 number wrote in, Fitty was playing against 60-year-olds out there. What was the average age of your church league competition? It was an age group, so I was playing with kids that were my same age in high school. Um... Softball was different because it's softball. So, yeah, there were some, like, 45-year-olds, some 50-year-olds. Sure. But those 60-year-old guys, dude, those dudes, those dudes know how to pitch. I, I played in the Carolina Panthers-hosted flag football tournament one time. And we weren't awful. We weren't very good. We were definitely below average. We won one game. But the team that would, I think, go to the championship game, we played them in the first round. They had, like, a 60-year-old quarterback who was throwing pro-style routes 
anticipation, I mean, just obliterated us. It looked like it, it looked like 80-year-old Brett Favre out there just slinging it, throwing it as hard as he possibly could. We had no chance to cover any of those guys that did not look like they had any business winning a flag football tournament championship. We would win the next game, but it was absolutely brutal. So they're out here, Fitty. Maybe it, he used that welfare money to make himself younger on the football field. Maybe he did. Maybe I saw so. it. He's been doing that for a while. Um, the other text that we had, Real Tar Heel, wrote in, Wes, as great an athlete as you are, are you impressed by by Fiddy's athletic prowess. Yes, I am impressed by Fiddy. I'm impressed by everything he does. <laughs> Just keep it simple. And like I said, Stanford Pete, he said that he saw you in church league, that it was an actual true thing, that he saw you perform well, score 50 points on one leg, hit bombs in church. You said what? You hit, was it 650 in church league softball? Yeah, which equates to like 225 in major league baseball hitting for, in terms. Okay, you get some scroll on that. You would. Absolutely. You, you would you would get some money if you were able to do that. All right. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. We'll hand over the reins now to the Kyle Bailey Show, back in business, hosting remote. Also, Smoke Ludwig going to be alongside Mr. Kyle Bailey. It's coming up next right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.